This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. 630 Chad, my goodness, two weeks from tomorrow, the Oilers play an actual competitive game that will count. Saturday, August 1st at 1, game 1 against the Blackhawks. Don't forget that preseason game, sorry, sorry not preseason, exhibition game because it's actually the middle of the season. Exhibition game against the Calgary Flames is Tuesday the 28th. We have every Oilers game for you right here on 630 Chet. And the Oilers back at practice today. And Caleb Jones was on the ice. Now, he had been on the ice Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Oilers took yesterday off, but he had skated in a smaller group, that Black Aces group, doing some extra work after the main practice. And Caleb Jones went on a Zoom call today with the media, and before taking any questions, he said this. So about a couple of weeks ago, I uh, I came into Edmonton actually early, and I was going to do my uh, seven-day isolation. And um, I actually I had a positive test for COVID. So, uh, you know, I, I had no symptoms. Um, I was asymptomatic, and um, I did my two-week isolation, kind of stayed away from everyone. And then, um, you know, my first day back at the rink was actually Monday, the starting training camp. So um, I was just kind of the first three days getting back into it, and uh, I was glad to be back full with the team today. So that's uh, kind of the story there. All right. So the first oiler to test positive for COVID-19, defenseman Caleb Jones. Now, he had been labeled unfit to practice, which is a blanket term the NHL has created to describe any player who is not participating in a game or a practice. He could be injured. He could have a personal issue. He could have COVID-19. The NHL has said they're not going to identify players who have COVID-19, so therefore to rule out a process of elimination with players who might be identified as having another specific injury, it is just unfit to play, unfit to participate. But Caleb Jones decided to come out and uh, announce that today. And he was talking as well about how he dealt with the quarantine. You know, I had a bike uh, where I was and, and uh, some dumbbells. So I tried to do my best to stay active and stay fit. And you know, I knew uh, camp was starting this week. So I was trying to, to stay in as best shape as possible. But you know, you can, it's tough when you go 14 days off the ice. So that's kind of why I took Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I really tried to uh, hammer it hard by myself uh, away from the group. And um, I was feeling good. So today uh, I had the green light to go on the ice for real practice. And I felt really good today. So I'm just going to keep building it up. All right, so that's uh, Caleb Jones, a little bit about dealing with the quarantine. Couldn't get out there and skate with his teammates. He had been skating in Dallas before flying to Edmonton. So he's in Dallas. He comes to Edmonton. He gets a test. He was asymptomatic, but he tests positive. So obviously he, he would have caught this somewhere in Dallas. Luckily, he, you know, as he said, he didn't really feel sick or have any symptoms, but he had to stay away from his teammates, stay away from everybody and isolate and recover. So Monday was his first day back doing any sort of, uh, you know, strenuous NHL type activity. So that's why he didn't jump right into the main practices. Uh, Dave Tippett has said that not sure if Jones is going to take part in the scrimmage tomorrow. The 
Oilers didn't scrimmage today. They had two practices, uh, kind of split the groups up a little bit. Dave Tippett said they just did that to get more uh, more reps in, uh, you know, forward lines looking about the same. There was some shuffling around with the D pairings, but not going to read too much into that. Now, as I mentioned, players do not have to announce uh, an injury. Teams certainly don't have to announce any uh, injuries, but um, Caleb Jones chose to do it, and here's why. You know, I think there's obviously a little bit of speculation for why I was missing uh, the first couple of days of training camp. And, you know, you know, if these things happen, you know, there's guys all around the league that are, are getting positive tests. And, you know, like I said, it, it wasn't like I was, you know, very sick. You know, I was I was lucky enough to, to not even really realize that I would have had it. You know, I just thought it would it set the record straight and, and you know, let everyone know what, what the situation was and why I kind of took a little time to get on the ice for practice. All right. So there's the lowdown from Caleb Jones, uh, you know, feeling better. Luckily, he never got too sick with this and hopefully he's he's going to be OK. And hopefully he's the Oiler, uh, only Oilers player that has to deal with COVID-19. Dave Tippett with a little bit on Jones testing positive. The protocols were followed to a T when he uh, came from Dallas. He was uh, uh, tested positive and uh, the doctors and the staff made sure that the protocols were followed exactly uh, what was supposed to he uh, he was cleared to come back and have contact the first day of camp but uh, um, protocols also have him uh, coming into camp not at full strength there's got to be some days where he works himself in so that was the case and he's uh, today was the first day he's back with the big group and uh, the whole group and uh, I haven't talked to the trainers yet um, uh, we'll see if he practices then takes part in a scrimmage tomorrow. I'm not sure if he's going to go that far yet, but it's good to have him back. He's uh, He's been cleared to join us, and uh, protocols have been all uh, followed, and uh, he had no symptoms, so he uh, tested positive without any symptoms at all. So he's come back, he feels healthy, and he's ready to go. All right, and Dave Tippett also credit, crediting TD Force, the head athletic therapist for the Oilers and all the medical crew, and Tippett emphasizing all the players understand what what's happening. There's no grumbling about it. They know they got to be safe. You know, they know they got to get tested every so often, and everybody's following the guidelines laid out. So that is good to hear. Hope your weekend's off to a good start. It's 11 minutes after 6. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630. Ched, we'll be getting through a lot tonight. We've been going around the Canadian cities in the NHL. We've touched base in Calgary and Vancouver. Winnipeg tonight, Ken uh, Weeb, who writes for The Athletic. Man, Connor Hellebuck has become an exceptional goaltender for the Jets. He'll tell us a little bit about his season and his journey. I think Hellebuck's probably going to win the uh, the Vesna Trophy, uh, but we'll discuss that with him a little bit later on tonight. John Shannon is on the show. He's always fun to talk to. Chris Morris, the head coach of the U of A Golden Bears football team, they had their virtual gala last night. And uh, also Murray McCourt from the Ranch Golf Course. Now, the Ranch has been rumored to possibly be the destination golf course for NHL players who will be staying here at, while Edmonton is a hub city. So we'll see if Murray has anything to comment on uh, on those reports. I'm happy to hear from you. 780-496-0063 is the number to both call and text. You can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S, and the email inside sports at 630 Ched. Dot com. Last night, we were talking about the water damage. The video was out there of uh, water coming into Rogers Place, turned out to be what is referred to as the terminus of Ford Hall. Some water damage in some other areas as well. 
OEG put out a statement around 11 this morning, just when the Oilers were hitting the ice for practice. Uh, After a thorough assessment of Rogers Place and its associated facilities, it has been determined that the damage experienced from last evening's rainstorm was due to significant water flow mixed with hail, which led to excess pressure on the facility's storm drainage system, causing two pipe couplings to fail, one located above the terminus of Fort Hall and the other located on the mezzanine level corridor on the southwest side of the building. The water damage is restricted to those two areas of the building with the terminus experiencing more significant water damage. There was also minor wind damage to the parapet flashing on the roof of Rogers Place. Uh, Went on to say that crews are uh, already working on it. No significant delays or uh, barriers to the training camp or preparations for Edmonton and Rogers Place to be a hub for the Stanley Cup playoffs. So uh, there you go. They'll get it fixed. Obviously not ideal, but we got to deal with all the weather stuff. And Mayor Don Iveson today commenting on uh, the responsibility to assess and clean up the damage. It does indeed fall to the Oilers Entertainment Group. He is responsible uh, under the lease agreement to keep us posted on what's happening with the building and to return the building at the end of the leasehold uh, um, uh, term in a serviceable condition and they're responsible for the maintenance of the building in between they're required to carry insurance on it for example against these kinds of losses and would be responsible for uh, claiming and dealing with the costs of that uh, as uh, as the occupant uh, of of the building all right and uh, Iveson also saying today this was uh, from a news conference earlier today he talked about OEG's uh, assessment of the damage my understanding is that uh, they have completed uh, a preliminary assessment of the building uh, and that the the damage uh, is is cosmetic and is sort of to the to the roof surface as opposed to any structural damage uh, to the building. Uh, obviously, uh, more detailed assessments will follow, but the pre- preliminary assessment looks very promising, um, and they've been very transparent about sharing that information with the city of Edmonton, consistent with their obligations uh, as uh, as a as a tenant in in our building. All right, so I was kind of explaining there how it's going to work. OEG uh, will have to ultimately repair this as, as, as they're taking care of all the maintenance uh, of, of the building. And uh, as OEG said, no uh, obstacles here to being a hub city. It is all systems go for the playoffs. All right, we're going to touch on a couple of other storylines tonight with the Oilers. I specifically want to get to some comments from Dave Tippett and James Neal about forward depth, about versatility with the forwards. I'm curious to hear from you little bit of time off here for the Oilers. The big guns are rested. Uh, they hopefully go into the series against Chicago healthy. Are, wh- how would you rank the Oilers' forward depth? I mean, when they finished last season, and I'm talking about the previous season when Hitch was the coach for the end of the year, I mean, they had forwards who uh, called up from, from the minors. I mean, uh, Josh Curry, Joe Gambardella, who I, I think were, were busting their butts, but really weren't NHL-caliber players. How do you feel about it now? Where would you rank the Oilers' forward depth? Can, can they go toe-to-toe with a big boy like St. Louis or Dallas, like a deep? We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. 
Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. bigger body team if it gets down to that in the postseason 780-496-0063 we're back after the break We'll get to Randy on the phone lines in a second here. I want to play a clip from Dave Tippett today. And I I asked the question of Tippett because I've really been thinking about this line of Kara, Neil, and Chason using Kara at center. And Neil and Chason, who have been players in, and I know that neither one has been an oiler for very long, second year for Chason, first for Neil, but they have played higher in the lineup and they have been able to score higher in the lineup and help out on the power play. And now they're sort of being rolled out in a, in a bottom six role. I don't know if you'd consider the Shane line or the Caroline acts you know, you could debate maybe which one's line three and line four, but those are the the bottom two lines right now. And I thought, man, the Oilers often on, on a fourth line have had unproven players or have had, you know, players who probably belonged in the NHL or who have washed out on other teams. I mean, I think they had some pretty good fourth liners the year they made the playoffs. Um, you know, Latestu, Hendricks, uh, Cassian played in that role sometimes, but the last couple of years have been pretty thin. So I asked Tippett about the, the versatility. How would he uh, sum up the Oilers versatility up front and as a coach is he pretty confident that in a game he can find combinations that are going to work that's exactly what it is and you know there's a couple things you look at you look at chemistry amongst players the roles of play what that that players play in special teams plays a big part of those roles and uh, and they all form into the rhythm of your lineup if you feel how a game is going to go through you know how is the rhythm of your lines going to uh going to come to fruition you know do you have matchup lines or you're looking to get away from certain matchups is there lines that you like to play in certain situations so uh, all those things go into to building a lineup that you feel like can be successful and you know when we when we put uh, Neil and Chase on and and JJ together we were playing some games that were, you know, heavier games. And we talked about that's a line with good playoff experience. We wanted to try JJ at center. He's uh, he actually does a real nice job down low and down low in our zone. So uh, we put the line together. They've come into camp and been very enthusiastic. They, uh, they recognize the time of year and uh, what's at stake and they want to be good playoff players. So, They've uh, they've really kind of formed a bond in that line, and they've they've been good so far. But we like the versatility, you know, whether it be from uh, injury or uh, players unfit to play or just trying to shuffle things up. We feel like we have different options that we could look at on different lines, and we've had a lot of people play with each other, which gives us uh, gives them a confidence if they do switch a line. 
they uh, they have some familiarity there. So we like the depth of our forwards, and um, you know we'll see where it goes. All right, good answer there from Dave Tivitt. Pretty pretty detailed. He likes the options. He likes the depths up front. We have Randy on the line, 780-496-0063. Go ahead, Randy. Hey, I agree with him 100%. I believe Chason is the most important Oiler right now. He's the only oh, really? ring on his finger. He's the only one that knows what it takes to actually get there. When, you, when everybody in the city talks about this first series, it's like Chicago doesn't even exist to everybody. They don't have any chance. They're not even in the series. It's like there's a lot of Stanley Cup rings on that team that are going to be very 100% ready to go. So I think the ring on his finger is crucial, and he is going to move up and down the lineup tremendously. I think he'll, he'll end up probably in a second-line position because of his experience. Cause I don't you, think he'll, you think he might wind up there instead of Athanasiu? Again, there's a whole bunch of question marks there, right? I, I look at the experience with Mr. Chase on ring, and it's like he knows what it takes to get there. He will end up being there. Yeah, I, I, he's he's a smart. He, like he's. I think Chase on's at his best, Randy, within 30 feet of the other team's goal because he, he screens the goalie and he digs for pucks. He's a dangerous player there. He is absolutely one of the bigger threats that we have in that position. I don't think Aston Theo is going to be that kind of player. His speed is ex- exciting, but we got to see, right? we got to see. Well, I've been talking about Athanasiu up there with Dreisaitl and, and Yamamoto, and, and, and I'm, you know, players deserve a shot, and I think with his age and his contract, the Oilers want to develop something there. But why Yamamoto and Dreisaitl aren't just skilled. They are dogged and determined and tenacious to keep plays alive. Athanasiu has to be able to elevate in that area, I think, to really fit in on that line. Mr. Caves and Mr. Tane have rings, and they're going to be very interested in this first playoff series, too. So let's not overlook them. All right. Thanks, Randy. Good night. That is Randy, 780-496-0063. The Big L says, hey, Reed, Oilers forwards could help take the team for a deep run as long as they play their own game and not get drawn into what would obviously be a lopsided physical style of play with teams like St. Louis. Force the opposition to chase Edmonton's top two lines. I would love to see an Oilers avalanche series. That is from the Big L. Uh, this texter says uh, he's talking about the Shane Annis Archibald line, with uh, which has been together. He says feels like a bit of a reward for those two boys too. They've been so great together in a few roles, and Annis seems like a legit winger for them. So he's talking about Shane and Archibald being together, and Annis uh, with them. And I, I think Annis has been a very smart player for the Oilers. I, I think he's made very good decisions with the puck. He he has some skill, and I, I thought he was relatively consistent during his brief tenure with Edmonton since he was acquired at the deadline. I also asked James Neal a little bit about the forward depth and playing with Chason and Kara. Yeah, I think it gives us good depth. I think, um, you know, with, uh, with the trades coming in and then some injuries, I think uh, – you know, everyone was just trying trying to find uh, where they slotted in and, and how we we're going to make all the lines work. So, um, you know, we're still working at that, but I think right now we're, we, we've got good depth in, uh, in our lines and, uh, and through the center position. So uh, that's, uh, that's a huge thing to have going into the playoffs. And, uh, you know, I like, uh, I like the chemistry uh, Juju, Jujar and, uh, and Chaser have uh, with each other. And, um, you know, we've been uh, solid through camp so far. All right. And again, I, I can see... 
any of those players on that line getting shuffled around a little bit. Kara maybe going back to the wing or, or having different wingers if it comes down to that. 780-496-0063. We'll catch up with Ken Weeb in uh, Winnipeg. More time for your calls and texts as we're counting down to actual meaningful games. And I agree with Randy. We can't write off the Chicago Blackhawks. I do make the point, though, I mean, if we don't see Crawford in that series, I think that further tilts the scales in favor of Edmonton. But for sure, they they have the experience, they have the championship experience that Edmonton is trying to earn. this one that is quite a powerful riff Kellen this is from Roadhammer the group is Burning Rain the song is Face the Music wow be our champion of the Sylvan Lake Alliance of Wrestling the Slaw Roadhammer we might have to add this one to the regular rotation that really struck me coming in I am officially ready to party <laughs> I will copy and paste Mr. Simpson grandpa spilt his or Gary spilled his ear medicine Remember that one? Yeah. And Homer went to university? <laughs> yes. I think that's the one. I think it was Gary. Gary spilled his ear medicine. Nerd. Curly, straight. Curly, straight. And then we'll wrap him up in a blanket and throw him off a bridge. <laughs> Anything, Kellen? No? Not, not coming back to you? I remember the episode, yes. But it's... It, Homer, I think know. it was just called... I don't know if it was called Homer Goes to University, but that was the premise. I, but I yeah. believe Conan, I believe Conan O'Brien wrote that one. Oh, cool! I, I think that uh, I think he wrote that one. I gotta, I'll Google it quickly here. Someday I'll do a show just on The Simpsons. Homer, it was called Homer Goes to College, yeah. third episode of season five. Uh, yeah, Conan O'Brien wrote that one. That's yeah. probably a top 10 episode for me. I've no doubt seen that one probably about five or six times because back in the day, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the big national broadcaster used to replay that in some small markets endlessly. That one and Homer goes to bat were like the two uh, Simpsons episodes. Oh, that's that a good one. Daryl, Daryl. 7804960063. Uh favorite Simpsons line of all time can be our off-topic topic tonight. And you can also talk sports. Got some Eskimo name suggestions coming in. I'll get to those in a couple of minutes. Uh North Side Norm says. Hey, Reed, in my mind, the Oilers have 11 legitimate NHL forwards. I think three of their forwards are borderline. Those would be Double A, Nygaard, and Haas. Possibly could work out and contribute, but not a sure thing in my mind. I think the Oilers are good enough for a deep playoff run, though they'd probably need a little bit of luck and or a really hot goaltender to win the cup. But I do think they can be competitive in a series against anybody. That is Northside Norman texting in 7804960063. This texter simply says if the Oilers can get the puck out of their own end, they should do good. That is true. <laughs> That's true. If they if they don't spend a lot of time in their own end, they'll do better. Uh, that 
that's one thing I watch for, right? What happens at the blue lines? Can you win those battles five feet inside your blue line and get it out? And when you're going the other way, can you make sure you get it across the line efficiently or chip it in and, and chase it and put the other team on their heels? So is it Mike on the line? Yep, that's correct. All right, Mike, thank you for calling. You're on with Reed. Go ahead. Hey, Reed. I was just wondering, like, you know, Caleb Jones uh, kind of got out today that he uh, had the coronavirus. And I'm just wondering, uh, like, has the NHL mandated guys to be tested before they board a plane to come to Edmonton? Or does it just happen as soon as they get here? To me, it seems a little funny. Well, now, now that they're in training camp, they're being tested, I think it's every two or three days. And then once they actually get to the hub seat or in the bubble, it, it, it's going to be pretty much every day. So, like, they let them board the plane and they could have it and then they're kind of bringing it here. To me, it seems a little, little backwards. That, well, you know what? That's a good question. If a player tests positive two days before they're supposed to fly to the hub, they might make them stay at home and then and then maybe fly once they're healthy. But that's a good question. And there there is a lot of stuff out there that's, you're right, Mike, it's, it's kind of a gray area, but they don't want players in the bubble who have the virus. So I would think that they're going to be tested before they fly. And if anybody would be positive, they probably wouldn't be allowed to fly. So they kind of let... Caleb bend the rules because he's an oiler? No, 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 sorry. Like once 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 they're coming to the bubble on the twenty-sixth. Oh okay. but yes, so for now for now. Or yeah, for now teams see that and that's why the I don't know if you've heard the clips like John Shannon, Berkey on Bob's show, Elliot on a Bob's show. They're that's why the NHL is worried about this two week stretch from the start of training camp on Monday until they go to the bubbles. Because right now if I'm playing for the Florida Panthers, uh, what if I go to the yeah. beach after practice? Right. Right? That's that's why they're worried about this stretch. So they, they want players to be healthy now and get to the bubble healthy. But you make a good point. Like, what if 12 members, so what, they have 30 guys on a rock? What if 20 members of the Florida Panthers have coronavirus on July 25th? You can't start the tournament with the Panthers. They can't even go to Toronto. Right. When, when do guys actually, when are they supposed to report to Edmonton? Like 26th. 26th is when they report to the two hub cities, July 26th. And is, it, and is, it, is that two weeks before they, that's not two weeks before they start playing, is it? No, that's the Monday before they start playing, or the so they, Sunday before they start playing. They did sort of waive the two-week uh, quarantine period. Uh, well, yeah, they're not going to be quarantined in Edmonton for two weeks, but they're going to be tested every day in Edmonton and Toronto. So then if a right. guy is tested, he has to stay in his hotel room and can't do anything. So we do have to hope that teams get here and are healthy. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Are you are you nervous about it? That That's just part of it. The whole thing that sort of makes me apprehensive that this might get squashed is, is that, you know, some teams might not get here and, and be healthy. Yeah, that's fair. And and they don't really have anything that I've read or talked to. And I'll bring it up with John Shannon. He's on in the next half hour. Like, what is what is the plan if 14 guys on a team get sick, right? Though I think they're just hoping it doesn't happen. Right. And once they're established and in the bubble, hopefully it doesn't. But, yeah, what if it happens at, at the very start of the tournament? And, again, that's why there's the concern about this two-week stretch if a team's getting ready to fly on the morning of the 26th 
and it's like uh like you got uh 17 players and three coaches with the coronavirus they're out they're out of the tournament or, or they have to push it back more or they'd somehow delay it with that team which i don't think they yeah. would want to but remember that was that's why vancouver came off the list partially is because vancouver the bc health authority said if there's a positive test we would want to shut down that entire series whereas uh, alberta and ontario were more willing to say okay we take the sick guy and we get him out of the out of the system right away keep testing everybody else and right. and then they get back to work I, like I admit, it's not perfect, but I think once they're in the bubbles, they can do a pretty good job. It's right now keeping everybody healthy. But no, the rules weren't bent for Caleb. Caleb came back a couple of weeks before camp was supposed to start, got tested right away. You're sick. Stay away from everybody. Don't go to the informal skates. His first day back in the in the general public was Monday. He hadn't been skating. That's why he took it slow and skated with the Black Aces for a couple of days. Right. Yeah. Thanks, Reed. Okay. See you, Mike. Thanks for calling. 780-496-0063. I mean, fair concerns by Mike. Uh, I'll make a note here to get into that with uh, with John Shannon. Maybe he has a little more info. But that that's how I un- understand everything. And, th- you know, that's that's a fair concern for sure. I just, I just want to get to this here quickly because we had Henry Burris on the show last night as he uh, yesterday was announced as a 2020 inductee for the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. And I said, Henry, when a young player, a young quarterback, a young athlete comes up to you and and wants some advice, what do you say? Well, I keep it simple by saying if a small, snotty-nosed, gap-toothed kid from Oklahoma who, you know, really wasn't the best at, you know, really anything compared to the skills that everybody else had, but what I did was I continued to believe and I worked my butt off, and now my dreams came true. And even when people said I couldn't, I use that as fire to say, yes, I could, and watch me go do this. Only person who could ever say you can't is yourself. And if you say you can't, then you allow those people to win. So let's make sure those bookers don't win. Let's make sure you're the one who, at the end of the day, has the big smile on your face. Because those people who said you couldn't get it done, they'll be telling everybody that you were their best friend and how much you used to hang out when you actually do get it done. So never believe their hype. Go out there and make them fans because that's what they truly are underneath. But they're just seeing if you really want it. Yeah, that's a really good quote there from Henry Burris. He was awesome on the show last night. All right, we'll uh, go to Winnipeg. I want to see uh, what's going on with the Jets. Connor Hellebuck, outstanding goaltender. We'll get some insight into his drive, his career from Ken Weeb from The Athletic. Lisa says my favorite Simpsons line. Lisa, it's your birthday. Happy birthday, Lisa, sung by Michael Jackson, because my name is Lisa, she says. Another texter says Apu and Homer are talking. Apu says that karma, that's a bunch of baloney. And Homer says, mmm, caramel baloney. In an episode where Apu gets fired, Homer starts working at the Quickie Mart, and there's a sign that says the master knows all except the combination to the safe. That's pretty funny. And the big L says... Best Simpsons line, oh, Mandy, you kissed me and brought me a turkey. That one was uh, pretty good. 780-496-0063. Let's go to Winnipeg. Ken Weeb covers the Jets for the Athletic. Ken, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? 
Excellent, Reid. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to be talking hockey, uh, even if it is summer hockey this time around. Yeah, summer hockey. It's unusual timing, but we are slowly getting closer to, to games that, that count, and, and they're going to count pretty big right out of the gate. I mean, first of all, I've been calling it the old Smite Division showdown, an old best of five like we used to see in the early and mid-80s. Uh, Calgary and Winnipeg. I mean, other than the team that I, I, I cover, the Oilers, I, I think this is the series I really want to watch. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun, and for sure the Smythe division uh, connotations are definitely there. I don't think the teams have met since, uh, I think, 89. I'd have to double-check now, but uh, it's been a long, long time, and uh, I don't think we're going to see any uh, Jamie McCowan cross-checks to the ribs of Dale Howardchuk, but uh, uh, certainly those highlights are going to get a workout here over the next uh, you know, the next several weeks, that's for sure. But uh, I think it's a fun matchup. I think you got two very evenly... T- uh, you know, evenly matched teams, percentage points uh, separated them during the year. Uh, I think on on paper, uh, the Jets should have a, a, a nod in goal uh, with Connor Hellebuck uh, being named to the Vesna finalists here. And I, you have to think he's the front runner here, Reed, based on the way he played this year. Uh, on the back end, the Jets have an unheralded group, but have really stabilized things after the addition of Dylan DeMello from the Ottawa Senators. Uh, not only did he play well himself, he really helped uh, Josh Morrissey elevate his game. So the Jets' defense is probably better than it was in in the first couple months of the year. And then up front, I mean, two teams that have some pretty high-end forwards uh, when they're rolling at, uh, at full capacity. So I'm really interested to see how some of those matchups go, the the Adam Lowry, uh, you know, versus um, Michael Backlund, or whether it's Shifley head-to-head with Sean Monaghan. I think they're it has the potential to it has the potential to go two ways it could either be low scoring or could have a lot of speaking of the Smythe division you might have a couple of 5-4 games uh, with it maybe being some wide open hockey but I mean that's the beauty of it we just don't know what it's going to look like based on you know almost four or five months off by the time uh, the teams get uh, that puck dropped when it counts for real I got to ask you about Hellebuck and and going into the playoffs. If you asked most people, hey, what position would you like to have a big advantage at? I think most of them would say goaltending because there have been so many legendary performances in in the postseason. And hey, you know, Hellebuck, like like a lot of guys earlier in his career, maybe still some question marks. Okay, who's he really going to become? But the last three years, I don't think you can really question much about his game. Tell, just tell me a, l- a little bit about his progression and now truly rising to the level of elite goaltender. Yeah, he just has so much inner drive and that, just a competitive spirit and nature. I mean, that, those are the words that really stood out over the past couple of days when we were talking about Hellebuck with both players and, and coaches and people around the league. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, always was sort of overlooked. I think the thing that gets lost for a lot of people who don't know the backstory, this is a guy who was a fifth-round draft pick out of the NAHL. Like, this is a guy who got overlooked in the USHL. He got overlooked for the NAHL draft. He went to the Odessa Jackalopes, uh, had an unreal year, and then had an awesome college career. Uh, went to the Manitoba, or went to St. John's Ice Caps, pardon me, uh, and really started to get things going there. And uh, I mean, it really went in, filled in for Andre Pavlik when he was hurt, and kind of had a quick arrival. And then the next year, he was sort of thrust into the starters' role. And even though he had 26 wins, uh, there were some rocky moments for Hellebuck. But and that led the Jets to bring in Steve Mason uh, on a two-year deal the year after that. Uh, and you don't sign, as you know, in, in your market there, you don't sign a guy to a $4.1 million deal to be a backup very often. But, uh, I mean, you you saw the, the, the stealing of the net firsthand, uh, Reed, in that game where Nick 
Michael Eilers uh, uh, took control in the third period uh, when Hellebuck was in net after Mason had a couple of rocky outings and he never gave the net back and he was a Vesna finalist that year and um, Last year, a bit uneven is how I would describe it. I think there was a lot of pressure on Hellebuck after signing that big ticket contract. So many goalies, when they get that first deal, they want to live up to the billing. And you finally get that respect that you feel like you deserve. And, and you put an inordinate amount of pressure on yourself. But uh, Hellebuck has bounced back nicely. And the one thing about him, he's he's never lacking motivation. Uh, here's a guy who uh, was probably, well, I mean, no fault of his own. He was outplayed by Marc-Andre Fleury in the conference final two years ago. That's because Fleury posted a 951 save percentage. I mean, it wasn't that Hellebuck was bad. Uh, the other guy at the other end of the rink just was a little bit better, and and that ended up being the difference in that uh, in who advanced to the Stanley Cup final that year. But Hellebuck came back this year and uh, you know overhauled blue line for the Jets, and and he really helped them stabilize and get their footing early in the year. And uh, he was the backbone of their team, and he's the unquestioned MVP candidate for their club. And like I said, I think he's the the clear cut uh, favorite for the Vesna right now, and and he's got to give the Jets an advantage in in this series, which is otherwise a coin flip. Okay, I got to ask you about Patrick Line. You're there, and I just will see the tweets or the headlines where it's like he's playoff hockey's going to be weird, or like I'm not sure how I'm going to feel. Like, what's actually going on? What's he really saying here? Yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, Patrick Line on a Zoom call in the summertime said he expected to be fully to be terrible when he came back after the long layoff. And uh, he, he said this week that it's hard to imagine playing playoff hockey in two weeks, which I totally understand. This is a guy who has incredibly high standards for himself. Uh, this is not a guy who showed up out of shape and, and won't be ready in two weeks, though, either. Uh, uh, it's funny. Uh, Line, it seemed yesterday, everything he touched turned to gold. He was burying shots and backdoor tap ins, making passes like, uh, like he hadn't uh, stopped playing since March uh, 10th or 11th. But uh, I think this is just a guy with incredibly high standards. He's had a very solid year. I know some people would say, oh, well, he didn't get 30 goals for the first time in his career. He was going to get 30 goals. He had a career high or a, you know, career high in assists. His all-around game uh, uh, was was at a higher level. He was he was he played two almost more than two minutes a game. Additionally, here's a guy who asked for more responsibility. He got it. Uh, played most of the year on that top line because Blake Wheeler was playing down in the second line center role after Brian Little was hurt. Uh, now he's back in his familiar spot with uh, Nikolai Ehlers and uh, you know trade deadline addition. Cody Eakin is between them. Uh, I think that line is is really going to flourish in this series, and, and and they should have some favorable matchups uh, just based on how we expect the uh, the other lines to be uh, slotted in that in that series. So uh, I would expect that Mr. Line is going to be fully ready on August first, and uh, he's a guy who's played well against the Flames in the past, and uh, I think he's looking forward to uh, showing the rest of the league who that maybe hadn't paid attention to his uh, growth in his overall game. Uh, he's a guy who loves the big stage. I expect him to perform admirably on it. And one more player I want to ask you about. Uh, I, I had him on my show five or six weeks ago, feeling better after a really uh, tough year. How's Mark Latestu doing? Is he right back in there? Yeah, not bad. I mean, uh, it's going to be tough for Mark to get into the lineup just based on the fact that he hasn't played since, I think, October now. But uh, he's moving around really well. Uh, you know, noticed him a few times today in the uh, first scrimmage of the of the playoff. But right now he's he's been playing mostly in that uh you know the extra the, the taxi squad for lack of a better term but uh guy who I mean, as you know from being around him i mean just an incredibly articulate person loves the game uh very studious in nature a guy that most 
people who have been around him or have coached him expect that if he wants to have a career in that field, uh, uh, he can definitely be a coach or involved in the game in some capacity. But uh, as Marcus pointed out to me and others, I mean, he's trying to kick that can down the road a little bit further. But uh, uh, incredible story. He's the Masterton nominee in our, in our market here and deservedly so. Um, it'd be interesting to see if he could work his way back in because, you know, he's such a versatile player. He can provide a lot of uh, different roles for you. I, I don't think he would... As the, I don't think he's in line maybe to be on the power play like he was in Edmonton uh, when, in fact, he was a jet killer in a lot of those games, including the Heritage uh, Classic. But uh, really hardworking guy. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him get in, but uh, there's a few people ahead of him on the depth chart right now, so he's going to have to keep clawing his way uh, back. But he's had to do that throughout his whole career, so I certainly uh, wouldn't count him out at this point, that's for sure. Well, he was credited with that goal line. He accidentally shot into his own net at Rogers' <laughs> that place. Too, yeah. yeah, yeah, we were. Yeah, one of my, one of my buddies, who's a big uh, Latestu fan, said, "See, Mark just intimidating the opponents to score on themselves." But that, that, that was a crazy goal. Line is going to get plenty at the, the proper end of the rink. Ken, thanks a lot for checking in tonight. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. My pleasure to read. Thanks for having me, and have a great weekend. All right, good stuff there from Ken Weeb from The Athletic in Winnipeg. Does a great job covering the Jets and loved how he broke down Connor Hellebuck's success. Awesome goaltender. I would think he's the favorite to win the Vesna Trophy. All right, we got to take a quick timeout for the 7 o'clock news and weather. John Shannon is coming up. We'll talk a little bit about NHL testing, quarantine, what happens with positive tests. John might have a weather-related story or two after we saw the damage to Rogers place last night. U of A football coach Chris Morris as well. They had their gala last night. And Murray McCourt from the ranch. What's going on? Could the ranch be the NHL's golf course when the teams are in town here for the bubble? I'll ask Murray about that too. All coming up. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.